That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Ambassador Gordon Sondland, the U.S. Ambassador to the European Union, million-dollar donor to the Trump campaign, who testified earlier this morning that, yes, there was a quid pro quo, and this came from the president down via Rudy Giuliani, is testifying right now before Congress. He's being interrogated by Mr. Castor, the attorney for the Republicans. Here it is. Well, what I'm trying to do today is to use the limited information I have to be as forthcoming as possible with you and the rest of the committee. And as these recollections have been refreshed by subsequent testimony, by some texts and emails that I've now had access to, I think I filled in a lot of blanks. But a lot of it's speculation. A lot of it is your guess. And we're talking about, you know, an impeachment of the president of the United States. So the, the evidence here ought to be pretty darn good. I've been very clear as to when I was presuming, and I was presuming on the aid. On the other things, Mr. Castor, I did have some texts that I read from. So when it comes to those, I'll rely on those texts because I don't have any reason to believe that those texts were, you know, falsely sent or that there's some subterfuge there. They are what they are. They say what they say. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Time of the gentleman has expired. We'll now move to a, a second staff-led round of 30 minutes. This is uh, Adam Schiff, the chairman of the committee. I turn it back to Mr. Goldman. You testified uh, in response to my colleagues in the minority something along the lines of a lot of people did not make the connection between Burisma and Biden. I think a lot of people have real difficulty understanding that. Tim Morrison testified that I think it took him all of doing a Google search to find out, oh, this is the significance of Burisma. It involves the Bidens. Are you saying during all this time up until the call, you never made the connection between Burisma and the Bidens? You just thought that the president and Rudy Giuliani were interested in this one particular Ukrainian company? Again, my role, Mr. Chairman, was just to get the meeting. Well, I understand that, but my question is, are you saying that for months and months, notwithstanding everything Rudy Giuliani was saying on TV and all the discussion with Rudy Giuliani, that you never put Burisma together with the Bidens? I didn't, and I wasn't paying attention to what Mr. Giuliani was saying on TV. We were talking to him directly. Let me ask, let me ask you this. Uh, Ambassador Volker testified yesterday to a similar epiphany, for lack of a better word. 
This is what I'm he betting said. the end game here is pin the tail on I Rudy. I understand we'll that see. others saw the idea of investigating possible corruption involving the Ukrainian company Burisma as equivalent to investigating former Vice President Biden. I saw them very different, as very different, the former being appropriate and unremarkable, the latter being unacceptable. In retrospect, I should have seen that connection differently, and had I done so, I would have raised my own objections. Does that sum up your views as well? It does. Now, I think you were asked a question with a bit of an uh, incorrect premise by my colleagues in the minority about Fiona Hill referring to a drug deal between you and Mr. Mulvaney. It was Ambassador Bolton who made the comment that he didn't want to be part of any drug deal that Ambassador Sondland and Mulvaney were cooking up. No one thinks they're talking about a literal drug deal here or a drug cocktail. The import, I think, of the ambassador's comments is quite clear that he believed that this bargain, this quid pro quo, as you've described it over a meeting, the investigations to get the meeting was not something he wanted to be a part of. What I want to ask you about is he makes reference in that drug deal to a drug deal cooked up by you and Mulvaney. It's the reference to Mulvaney that I want to ask you about. You've testified that Mulvaney was aware of this quid pro quo, of this condition that the Ukrainians had to meet, that is, announcing these public investigations to get the White House meeting. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of people were aware of it. Including Mr. Mulvaney? Correct. And including the Secretary of State? Correct. Now, have you seen the the acting chiefs of staff's press conference in which he acknowledged that the military aid was uh, withheld in part because of a desire to get that 2016 investigation you've talked about? I don't think I saw it live. I saw it later. Yeah. So you saw him acknowledge publicly what you have confirmed too, that Mr. Mulvaney understood that two plus two equals four. Is that right? Well, again, I didn't know that the aid was conclusively tied. I was presuming he was in a position to say yes it was or no it wasn't because... And he said yes it was, did he He said yes it was. Mr. Goldman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and and thank you again, Ambassador Sondland. We do appreciate your efforts to refresh your recollection through the documents, and, and we understand we share your frustration in not having the documents to help guide this investigation. Um, so we do appreciate those efforts. One of the documents that you provided to us goes back to the conversation you and, and the chairman were having about Mr. Mulvaney. And you had been trying for some time before the July 25th call to set up that call, is that right? To set up the call between President Trump and President Zelensky, yes. Correct, yes. yes. And I want to show you the, an email that uh, you reference in your opening statement that is a, a July 19th email. And who, who is this from? It uh, looks like it's, is it from me? This is an email with uh, Sondland, from you, I believe. It's from me to, in it. to the group. Now, who is the group? People mentioned on the email, Blair, Kenna, McCormack, Mulvaney, Perry, Pompeo. And, and who's Robert Blair? I believe he's a deputy chief of staff or a advisor to the chief of staff. And you've already told us that Lisa Kenna is the executive secretary for Secretary Pompeo. Uh, who's Brian McCormick? The chief of staff for, he was the chief of staff for Secretary Perry. 
and then we, has, we see Mr. Mulvaney, Secretary Perry, and Secretary Pompeo. Can you read what you wrote on July 19th to this group, please? He is prepared to receive POTUS call. We'll assure him that he intends to run a fully transparent investigation. We'll turn over every stone. He would greatly appreciate a call prior to Sunday so he can put out some media about a friendly and productive call, no details, prior to Ukraine election on Sunday. So Sunday was the 21st, which was the date of the parliamentary elections in Ukraine, is that right? That's right. When you say, we'll assure him that he intends to run a fully transparent investigation and will, quote, turn over every stone, unquote, what do you mean there? I'm referring to the Burisma and the 2016 slash DNC server investigations. Later that evening, Secretary Perry responds just to you and Brian McCormick, saying, Mick just confirmed the call being set up for tomorrow by NSC. RP. And then a little later, Mr. Mulvaney replies to all, saying, I asked NSC to set it up for tomorrow. Were these the only responses that you received to this email? I don't know. If I, if I have them, I would show them. I don't, I don't know. No one wrote back to you and said, what are you talking about in terms of these investigations and turning over every stone? No, there was a chain, and I don't know if it's part of this email or a subsequent email, where I believe Ambassador Bolton pushed back and said he did not want a call to President Zelensky made by President Trump until after the parliamentary elections. So that would explain why it was moved from the next day, July 20th, to the 25th, right? That's right. But Ambassador Bolton is not on this email, is he? I don't think he is, no. Now, you were asked by Mr. Castor if there are any other key witnesses who might be able to help with our investigation. And you mentioned Brian McCormick, right, the Chief of Staff for Secretary Perry? I did. You are aware that the committee subpoenaed him, are you not? I wasn't aware of that. And that he refused to come testify? Are you also aware that Mr. Mulvaney was subpoenaed by the committee and refused to come testify? I did read that in the newspaper, yes. Are you also aware that Robert Blair was subpoenaed and refused to come testify? I think I'm aware of that. And that Secretary Perry was asked to come testify and refused? I am aware of that as well. So would you include them as well as Secretary Pompeo as key witnesses that, that would be able to provide some additional information on this, on this inquiry? I think they would. Now, this was not the first time, as you indicated, that Mr. Mulvaney heard about these investigations into Burisma and the 2016 election. Is that right? I don't know what Mr. Mulvaney heard or didn't hear. I think there's been a huge amount of exaggeration over my contact with Mr. Mulvaney. It was actually quite limited. Well, he certainly didn't indicate, he certainly indicated a familiarity with what you were talking about in this July 19th email. Right, right, because I think Mr. Mulvaney was in the May 23rd briefing with President Trump. I don't remember because there were people sitting behind us that were coming and going Mm -hmm. when we were sitting in front of President Trump's desk. Now, you've said that you don't have a recollection of saying, referencing Mulvaney in the July 10th meeting in Ambassador Bolton's office. Is that, is that right? Or? Uh, I, I don't recall. Um, so when both Fiona Hill and Colonel Vindman testify that in response to a question from Ukrainian officials at that July 10th meeting, 
about scheduling a White House visit that you said, well, I, I spoke with Mr. Mulvaney and it will be scheduled after they announce these investigations. Do you have any reason to dispute that characterization? I don't have any reason to agree or dispute. I just don't remember. So if they both remembered it and they both then went and we're listening to the to testimony the of uh, ye, 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 about EU it, Ambassador Gordon Sondland, one of the three amigos who has basically flipped on the president, or at least on Giuliani. And uh, Mike Pence's office has now issued a statement saying, uh, you know, we know nothing about this. I never talked to Gordon Sondland about this stuff uh, in Poland. So it's getting real interesting. Stick around. This email indicates that is the Tom Hartman program. It's Gordon Sondland being uh, interviewed right now by the Democrats lawyer Daniel Goldman. Is that right? Which email again? Sorry, the July 19th email. Where you say, I, the subject is, I talked yes. to Zelensky just now. I've got it. Was there some sort of assurance that President Zelensky needed to provide about what he would say to President Trump in order just to get the phone call? I think that part was verbal and then there were a lot of communications going around back and forth with the Ukrainians and that's when someone, and I don't remember who, came up with the idea of a draft statement so there would be no misunderstanding about what in fact the Ukrainians would say and would be willing to say that we could rely on and negotiate something on a piece of paper. So just to place you in time, we're going to get to that draft statement, which was in August. This is July 19th, before the July 25th call. Do you remember whether there was a need from any of the White House officials or other national security officials for President Zelensky to provide some assurance of what he would say to President Trump before a phone call, not the meeting, but a phone call was scheduled? There was initially apparently a condition, but that condition was obviously dropped because the phone call took place and there was no such statement made. The phone call took place, as you said, on the 25th of July. And when you say there was no such statement that took place, what do you mean? Well, the Ukrainians never made their public statement prior to the phone call on the 25th of July. Right, but we're not talking about a public statement. I, I, what I was asking is whether President Zelensky needed to relay to you or the other American officials that he would assure President Trump that he would do these investigations in a phone call. That well, is- In my email, I obviously had just spoken with him and he, he, he being Zelensky, and he said that he was prepared to receive the call and he would make those assurances to President Trump on that call, and then presumably that would then lead to the White House meeting. And you had been discussing this phone call for quite, for several weeks now, is that right? Yes, with, I think, with Volcker, with Perry, with Giuliani through Volcker and Perry. And then right after you sent this email assuring the others that he will discuss the investigations and will turn over every stone, the Burisma in 2016 election investigations, Mr. Mulvaney responded that he asked to set up the call for the next day. Is that right? That's what it says. Now, let's go to that press statement that you were discussing in, in August. And you testified, I believe, that 
um, you understood that Rudy Giuliani was representing the president's interests with regard to Ukraine. Is that right? That's what we all understood. And when you all, who do you mean we all? Secretary Perry, Ambassador Volker, myself. In August, you and Ambassador Volker were coordinating with Andre Yermak, the Zelensky aide, about a, a press statement. And I want to uh, pull up uh, some of the text exchanges that you were referring to, which, as you acknowledge, helps you refresh your recollection. Is that right? And I think Taylor was involved in those initial discussions as well. Well, he's not on any of these text messages, so perhaps he was. He, he does not remember that. But let's go to the first one on uh, August 9th. There's an exchange between Ambassador Volker and you. With all the problems unfolding for the Fed and central banks, you may be asking some very important questions. How close are we to the next economic collapse? What will it look like just before the crash? And how can I protect my investments and my retirement? There are a few people better suited to answer these questions than ITM Trading's chief market analyst, Lynette Zhang. Her fact-based research on the markets, currencies, and economy is second to none, and her videos have prepared people for almost every major downfall in the U.S. economy this year. If you haven't heard of Lynette Zhang and ITM Trading, I highly recommend looking them up. They're pioneers in economic education, and they're experts at creating strategies to protect you against the next inevitable crisis. If you're looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile economy since 2007, go to youtube.com slash itmtrading. I recommend learning as much as you can before the next crisis hits, so you can make the most educated choices while there's still time. That's youtube.com slash itmtrading. Say We're listening to, uh, to the Democrats' lawyer, Daniel Goldman, first, questioning uh, Volker, Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the EU, who has uh, basically rolled sure over on Rudy Giuliani and implicitly really on Donald Trump. Liberal. Here it goes. What did you mean there? The commitment to do the investigations. And how did you know that the president wanted the deliverable? I don't recall. I may have had a conversation with him, or I may have heard it from someone else. But I, I don't recall, again, without all these records. At this point, Giuliani's goose is Going so to the next, um The question is, will Trump's 10, where, um, or August 10th, rather. Uh, this is between you and, and Andre Yermak. Um, what did you say initially in this exchange? Hello? Good? My oh, no, that's Yermak. How was your conversation? And uh, Mr. Yermak responds, hello, good. My proposal, we receive date, and then we make general statement with discussed things. Once we have a date, we'll call for a press briefing announcing upcoming visit and outlining vision for the reboot of U.S.-Ukraine relationship, including, among other things, Burisma and election meddling and investigations. And you respond, got it. That was your understanding of what this statement had to say to satisfy Mr. Giuliani, is that right? Yes. And then ultimately to satisfy the POTUS deliverable? Yes. Now, the next day you wrote an email um, to... Ulrich Breckbull and uh, Lisa Kenna. Um, are you able to, to see that on your Yeah, I can see screen? it on the screen, yeah. Okay. What is the, the subject of the email? Uh, Ukraine. 
And can you read um, what you wrote there? Mike, and I'm referring to Secretary Pompeo, uh, Kurt and I negotiated a statement from Zelensky to be delivered for our review in a day or two. The contents will hopefully make the boss happy enough to authorize an invitation. Zelensky plans to have a big presser on the openness subject, including specifics next week. And in your opening statement, you said that the specifics, ref, re, what did the specifics represent? The, the 2016 and the Burisma. And when you Bingo. say the boss, who do you mean by that? President Trump. And the invitation is what? This is going to be just like with Michael Cohen, where, meeting. you know, Trump speaks in and code. And Lisa Kenner responds. And Giuliani Gordon, takes the instructions. I'll pass to S. And S is Secretary Pompeo? Correct. Thank you, Lisa. Now, two days later, um, you have a text exchange with Ambassador Volker again. Um, and... This is at the end of it, but it, in the earlier text, uh, which we don't have here, you may recall, includes the press statement, the revised press statement that includes Burisma and the 2016 election. Is that, do you recall that? Yes, if I could see it, that would be helpful, but yes. Um, so, but you ultimately remembered that after your conversation with Mr. Giuliani, you did pass along a statement to the Ukrainians uh, that included Burisma in the 2016 election. Is that right? I think there were statements being passed back and forth between Volker, the Ukrainians, and others to try and negotiate acceptable language. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that statement was not issued, was it? Correct. And the White House meeting did not... Still hasn't occurred. Still hasn't occurred. <laughs> but you certainly understood at that time, did you not, that it was the president's direction and instruction that a White House meeting with President Zelensky would not occur until President Zelensky announced publicly the investigations that the president wanted. Is that right? That's correct. And you now know that the investigations the president wanted was an investigation into the Bidens and an investigation into the 2016 election. I know that now, yes. And that's your incriminating statement. We'll be back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. We're listening to the testimony of Ambassador Gordon Sondland, the EU ambassador who has basically Secretary rolled over on Giuliani and Trump. She's seeing Lisa Kenna, the subject of Zelensky. And could you please read what you wrote to Secretary Pompeo? Uh, Mike, should we block time in Warsaw for a short pull aside for POTUS to meet Zelensky? I would ask Zelensky to look him in the eye and tell him that once Ukraine's new justice folks are in place mid-September, Zelensky should be able to move forward publicly and with confidence on those issues of importance to POTUS and to the U.S. Hopefully that will break the logjam. And... Secretary Pompeo responds to you three minutes later, yes. Now, I want to unpack this a little bit. Um, you said that in the middle, once Ukraine's new justice folks are in place, what did you mean by that? The new prosecutor that was going to be working for President Zelensky, the old prosecutor, I believe his term was up or he was being let go. Uh, he was the Poroshenko prosecutor, and uh, Zelensky wanted to wait until his person was in place. So once that new prosecutor was in place, then Z, President Zelensky, should be able to move forward publicly 
and with confidence on those issues of importance to POTUS. What did you mean by those issues of importance to POTUS? Again, the 2016 election and Burisma investigation. Were you aware at this time that Secretary Pompeo had listened in to the July 25th phone call? I was not. If he had, do you believe that he would fully understand what the issues of importance to POTUS related to Ukraine would be? I mean, I can't characterize his state of mind. He listened in on the phone call and he concluded what he concluded. But now that you've read the phone call, it's quite clear what the issues of importance to POTUS are. Yes. Biden investigation and yes. the 2016 election investigation. Is that right? That's correct. Then it says, hopefully, that will break the logjam. Now, by this point, you were aware that security assistance had been on hold for about five weeks. Is that right? I became aware on the 18th of July. And you understood that there was a lot of activity within the State Department and elsewhere to try to get that hold lifted. Is that right? That's right. Just about everybody in, in the interagency, meaning the national security apparatus, wanted to lift the hold and wanted the aid to go to Ukraine? Correct. So what did you mean here when you said logjam? Well, as I said to Chairman Schiff, uh, I meant inclusively anything that was holding up moving forward on the meeting and, and uh, the Ukraine-US relationship. And what was holding that up? At that point, it was the statements uh, about uh, Burisma and the 2016 elections. But what was being held up? Well, the aid was being held up, obviously. Four days later, you said in your opening statement that you sent Rudy Giuliani's contact information to John Bolton. Is that right? I did. Did you know why he asked for that? No idea. Did you know that he was going to Ukraine the next day? Uh, I knew he was about to go to Ukraine. I didn't know exactly when his trip was, but I thought it was kind of an odd request, given that the White House can pretty much get anyone's phone number they want. Now, in this email to Secretary Pompeo, you referenced a trip to Warsaw. Ultimately, the vice president went on that trip? That's correct. And that was the conversation that you talked about, um, where you, you testified earlier to that, where you said that we really need to get these uh, investigations from Ukraine in order to release the aid in the pre-meeting? That's right. And Vice President Pence just nodded? He, he heard what I said and didn't respond in any way? I don't recall any substantive response. Okay. Um, but you, you never specifically referenced the Bidens or Burisma in that meeting, did you? I don't remember ever mentioning the Bidens. I may have mentioned Burisma. And that meeting you, was uh, with a group. You were not alone with Vice President Pence. That's that right. Um, and you know that at that bilateral meeting with President Zelensky, I believe you testified earlier, that Vice President Pence did not mention these investigations at all, right? I don't recall him mentioning the investigations. So that, your testimony is just simply in a pre-meeting with a group of Americans before the bilateral meeting. You referenced the fact that Ukraine needed to do these investigations in order to lift the aid. I, right? I think I referenced, I didn't say that Ukraine had to do the investigations. I think I said that we heard from Mr. Giuliani that that was the case. So that helped inform your presumption, correct? Correct. So it wasn't really a presumption. You heard from Mr. Giuliani. Well, I didn't hear from Mr. Giuliani about the aid. I heard about the 
Burisma in 2016. And you understood at that point, as we discussed two plus two equals four, that That's the right. aid was there as well. That was the problem, Mr. Goldman. No one told me directly that the aid was tied to anything. I was presuming it was. Right. Well, I want to go ahead to, um, I'm going to go back on September 1st, or I'm going to jump actually ahead to, uh, to September 7th, okay? When we discussed those text messages where you said there were multiple convos with President Zelensky and POTUS, you recall that? Do you have the email by any chance? Uh, we could try to pull it up in a second, but you don't remember I showed it to you yeah, earlier this morning. Yeah, go ahead, though, with your question. Um, and you, you confirmed that that likely meant, as you said it did, that you spoke with President Trump. Is that right? Again, if my email said I spoke with President Trump, presumably I, I did. You, you are relying pretty heavily in your testimony on the texts and emails that you were able to review. Is that right? That's right. So certainly if someone else had contemporaneous So Ambassador Gordon texts, Sondland emails, is testifying emails, right now. He's being uh, questioned by uh, Mr. Goldman, the attorney for the Democrats. They're, they only have about three minutes left. Uh, just a minute ago, he said, no one told me that the aid was directly tied to anything. That was my presumption. I guarantee you that's going to be the thing that the Republicans hammer him with. Oh, you just presumed. And therefore, we're supposed to remove the president 7, from office. Meanwhile, Mike Pence just issued a statement, quote, the vice president never had a conversation with Gordon Sondland about investigating the Biden's Burisma or the conditional release of financial aid to Ukraine based upon potential investigations. Uh, Ambassador Gordon Sondland was never alone with Vice President Pence on the September 1 trip to Poland. The alleged discussion recalled by Ambassador Sondland never happened. Multiple witnesses have testified under oath the vice president Pence never raised Hunter Biden, former, you know, blah, blah, at the meeting in Poland. So back to the hearings. Mr. Morrison's testimony about that conversation, do you? No. On September 8th, you then had a conversation directly with Ambassador Taylor. One of the problems, about the by the way, that Sondland has is that the Ambassador State Department Taylor refuses to allow him to review his own notes. That you spoke to President Trump, as he had suggested earlier to you, and that President Trump was adamant that President Zelensky himself meaning not the prosecutor general, had to, quote, clear things up and do it in public, unquote. Do you recall, you don't have any reason to think that Ambassador Taylor's testimony based on his contemporaneous notes was... I don't know if I got that from President Trump or I got it from Giuliani. That's the part I'm not clear on. Well, Ambassador Taylor is quite clear that you said President Trump. Mr. Morrison is also quite clear that you said President Trump. You don't have any reason to dispute their very specific recollections, do you? No, if they have notes and they recall that, I don't have any reason to dispute it. I just personally can't remember where I got it from. And then you, you also told Ambassador Taylor in that same conversation that if President Zelensky, that rather you told President Zelensky and Andrei Yermak that although this was not a quid pro quo, as the President had very clearly told you, it was, however, required for President Zelensky to clear things up in public or there would be a stalemate. You don't have any reason to dispute Ambassador Taylor's recollection of that conversation you had with President Zelensky, do you? No. And that you understood the stalemate referenced the aid, is that correct? At that point, yes. Ambassador Taylor also described a comment that you made where you were trying to explain 
what President Trump's view of this was. And you said that President Trump is a businessman. When a businessman is about to sign a check to someone who owes him something, the businessman asks the person to pay up before signing the check. Do you recall saying that to Ambassador Taylor? I don't recall it specifically, but I may have. And Ambassador Volker also said that you did. Okay. So just to summarize here, by the end of the first week of September, before the aid had been released, you had expressed twice to the Ukrainians that you understood that the aid, that the investigations needed to be publicly announced. Rudy Giuliani CNN just tweeted, I in came into this at Volker's request. Sondland is speculating that? based on very all caps, little contact. I never met him, had very few calls with him, mostly with Volker. Volker testified, Volker I answered their questions and described them as my opinions, not demands, i.e. no quid pro quo. Back to the hearing. To mention these items. And that even though at some point you had calculated two plus two to equal four, and therefore you believed that the aid was conditioned on the investigations, that you had a phone call with President Trump that you relayed to both Tim Morrison and Ambassador Taylor, whose accounts of that conversation you do not dispute, where President Trump confirmed that President Zelensky needed to publicly announce the investigations, okay. or otherwise the obvious implication of the stalemate would be that the aid would not be released. Is that correct? Again, the implication, I did not hear directly from President Trump that the aid would be held up until the statement was made. I did not hear those words. But you agree that with whatever Mr. Morrison and Ambassador Taylor testified to about the conversation you had with President Trump, is that right? Remind me again, I don't want to misspeak. Well, you just said you have no reason to dispute their accounts based on their detailed notes. Were they saying that I told them that President Trump said that the aid would not be released until the statements were made? Because I said repeatedly, I don't recall President Trump ever saying that to me. Okay. I think what they said, if I could just finish this line of yeah. questioning, yeah. was that President Trump was adamant that President Zelensky himself had to clear things up, quote, clear things up and do it in public, unquote. So what they related was although President Trump claimed to you there was no quid pro quo, he also made it clear to you in that call that President Zelensky had to, quote, clear things up and do it in public. You don't have a reason to dispute. That's what I, I don't have any reason to dispute the clear things up and do it in public. What I'm trying to be very clear about was President Trump never told me directly that the aid was tied to that statement. But in that same conversation you had with him about the aid, about the quid pro quo, he told you that President Zelensky had to, quote, clear things up and do it in public, correct? I did not have a conversation with him about the aid. I had a conversation with him as referenced in my text about quid pro quo. Well, the quid pro quo you were discussing was over the aid, correct? No. President Trump, when I asked him the open-ended question, as I testified previously, what do you want from Ukraine? His answer was, I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. That's all I got from President Trump. Did you also get from President Trump, as reflected by Ambassador Taylor, that he said he was adamant that President Zelensky had to, quote, clear things up and do it in public? That part I can agree to, yes. Time is now with the minority for 20 minutes. I'm sorry, 33 minutes. So now we go to uh, Devin Nunes minutes. and uh, the attorney, Mr. Castor, for the Republicans. Ambassador, you've been in uh, business for a long time. 
The guy who's yeah. suing the imaginary cow. So if you want to get to the bottom of something, somebody that's running a department or one of your buildings or something, who do you go to? The boss. The manager of whatever company exactly. it is. Right? Correct. So if you want to get to the bottom of foreign aid, probably go to the people that are in charge of foreign aid here in this town, wouldn't you? Because you're not in charge of foreign aid. I'm not in charge of foreign aid. And you've had to testify that you've presumed foreign aid was this or that, and you're guessing that this was tied to foreign aid. See, but as I predicted, this is, Nunes is going to be saying, oh, aid. you're guessing. And in fact, I don't think it's very fair to Trump you Trump did just all, what Michael Cohen said he would do, talk in code. You might be surprised that we had that person here in the Capitol, in a secret deposition, in the basement, last Saturday. Now that testimony might be pretty important to you before you're here to testify. If you could have read that, your lawyers could have went through that because it may have clarified some more things for you about, the, about your recollection about the foreign aid. So, you know, we've heard, earlier we heard about the, we had the chair looking at the cameras telling American people, talking about Watergate with their Watergate fantasies that they continue to, I Stephanie guess, Grisham, the White House press secretary, night. just uh, sent out a sta an official statement to the press pool saying Sondland's testimony made clear that in one of the brief few brief so phone calls he had with President Trump, the, tr the president stated that he, quote, wanted nothing, end quote, from Ukraine, and he repeated, quote, no quid pro quo over and over again, close quote. In fact, no quid pro quo ever occurred. The U.S. aid flowed to Ukraine. No investigation was launched. And tr President Trump has met and spoken with President Zelensky. Democrats keep chasing ghosts. End of quote from the press secretary for the White House. of the man who's in charge of the foreign aid in this town. Now, I could get into what he said, but the chair could release what he said. And we're not even allowed to call that witness here. So let's talk about things that Poor we do know are facts. Okay, as best as I think you and I and most people know them. President Trump does not like foreign aid to start with. Is that correct, Ambassador? I've heard that, yes. And you've testified that... Watching over the EU, you have 28 countries, you have neighboring countries that you work with. One of his biggest complaints is the lack of participation that those countries participate in programs around the world. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Especially NATO. Yes. Right? That's one of your, when you start, when you go down the list of the jobs that, that is, when you get directions from the White House, when you first uh, became ambassador, Probably one of the number one things, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but on that, the top of the list was making sure countries pay their fair share, especially with NATO. Yeah, and we have a very capable ambassador to NATO, so I'm not going to take her, her lane. But it's one of the, but it you is. work with those countries, it's one of the issues that Over you bring up Fox in your News, meetings, Ken correct? Starr is wondering if uh, uh, this is. might cause some Republican senators so, to go over to the White House. I know you weren't on the uh, July shades of Richard phone Nixon, call, right? but one of the first things that the President of the United States brings up is Germany's lack of participation, I think he names the President of Germany directly, that they're not participating in helping out Ukraine, who's one of their neighbors. Is that I've what you read in the, in the transcript? I've heard that, yes. So, the whole idea that the President, start, starting out with he doesn't like foreign aid, he doesn't think countries pay their fair share, that's looking out for the taxpayer. 
But there's more, and we talked about this in your deposition. We talked about it, about how we have requirements. The Congress writes requirements into the law that require you and all the diplomats to carry out the foreign policy of this country for the President of the United States. Before the President can certify foreign aid and send foreign aid, there has to be certification that there's, that there's no corruption. You're aware of that now? I am now, yes. So, so being that, that you learned about that in your deposition, now looking back at clearly the challenges and concerns the president had with the involvement of, of high-level Ukrainian government officials, including the ambassador here in the United States that attacked him during his presidential campaign, the concerns of leaks that were leaks or just made up stories and conspiracy theories that were spun in the Steele dossier that the Democrats on this committee own. They paid for it. Other DNC operatives that were working with the Ukrainian ambassador here in, here in Washington, D.C. to dirty up your boss, the President of the United States. We're not going to hear from those witnesses. Just like we're not going to hear from the person we deposed on Saturday. This is so rich. We're the White House is preventing what the real John Eisenberg, Mick Mulvaney, Rudy Giuliani, Rick Perry, Mike Pompeo, sure John Bolton, Charles Kupperman, Robert Blair, Brian McCormick, about. Michael Ellis, and Bill Barr from testifying in before these hearings. And they're keeping all of Sondland's notes away from him. They're refusing to allow him access to any of his own information. And here's Devin Nunes complaining that he can't pull a witness up. Wouldn't it be easier if you just knew exactly why the foreign aid wasn't given? Yes, it would be easy. Give me access to the it damn State Department to information. If I had a totality of the record. And would you trust the person who's in charge of cutting the checks for foreign aid, the top career diplomat or the, the top career official? I'd have no reason not to. That's the guy that Nunes is saying they interviewed in the basement. Well, I don't know off, if we get to, who is not to speak again, if we have some more magical minutes. Uh, but I, uh, I'm done with questions uh, with you. I know the rest of our members have more questions. Uh, and uh, let me turn to, I know Mr. Castor has some more questions. This is Mr. Castor, the attorney Ambassador. for the Republicans. Hi. Um, we'll try not to use all of this time as a courtesy to you. Um, just want to go through some distinctions between your uh, your opener and your deposition um, and some other witnesses. Um, in your opening statement Ken today, Star over on Fox News just Trump said, we now know that the president, in fact, committed the crime of bribery. I think articles of impeachment are being drawn up if they haven't already been drawn up. Amazing. This testimony is an absolute screaming blowtorch. We'll be back with more of uh, Ambassador uh, Sondland, Gordon Sondland, the Portland hotel magnate. Uh, who is the ambassador to the EU testifying. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. He's also objected to the characterization of him and the other amigos as the irregular channel because he says Pompeo knew about this. All these guys knew about this. So we're listening to the testimony of uh, Ambassador Gordon Sondland. He is being interrogated by Mr. Castor, the Republican lawyer. Basically, it looks like the main Republican attack now is, well, the president never told you quid pro quo. You never heard that explicitly. You just drew that conclusion. And he's saying, yeah, that's true. 
So that's going to be the major point. Trump just went out and told the reporters basically that. Rudy Giuliani had tweeted something to that effect, but he's now deleted his tweet, which is getting very, very interesting. And basically what Castor is trying to do now, I think, is, is you know, provide some, some safety to uh, Mike Pompeo. So here we go. And Ambassador Hale testified, and his testimony's been public, almost a, a zero-based concept that each assistance program and each country that receives the program be evaluated. The program made sense that we avoid nation-building and that we not provide assistance to countries that are lost to us in terms of policy, whether it's because corruption or, or you know, another reason. Um, is that something you were aware of at, at the time? Generally, yes. Okay. And you're certainly aware that the president was concerned about the European allies. Mike Pence is polishing his Bible, getting ready to take the Oval Office. Exactly why I was involved. Okay. So, you know, as we get down to September 11th, right before the, you know, you're advocating that the, the pause be lifted, correct? Yeah, I didn't think the, I personally didn't think right. the pause should have ever been put in okay. place. Okay. Yeah. But as we get down to September 11th and you're talking with Senator Johnson and, and so forth, um, you don't know with certainty that the genuine reason the president was implementing. So this is my point. You don't know for sure. Wasn't because of his, his concerns about the allies or his concerns about foreign assistance generally or that he could wasn't just trying to hold the aid as long as he could to see what he could, um, you know, what type of information. And until the White House releases all those, those documents, subjects. none of us will know either. Okay. But the White House ain't releasing um, nothing. I am really trying to finish up before my, so I can yield some time back. Um, do we have anything else, Mr. Mr. I have nothing else. That's his way of saying, I don't really know what to say now. I'm just totally screwed here, and I'm hoping David Nunes will bail me out. And Nunes is sitting there going, don't look at me. Uh, by the way, a bunch of the Republicans left about 15, 20 minutes ago. They just you know, back, walked um, out, and they're hanging out someplace. God only knows. Uh, so uh, let's take a 30-minute yeah. recess and, to allow and, and uh, there we Sol go. Ambassador Solon. We're uh, going to take a, a, a recess. There's a lot going on here, a, a lot to unpack. Basically, Gordon Sondland came out. He made this statement. He used, you know, the magic words. He said things like, yes, there was a quid pro quo. If you think back to Michael Cohen and Michael Cohen's testimony, in Michael Cohen's testimony before Congress, before he was sent off to prison for participating in a scheme to uh, cover up Donald Trump's affairs, he's sitting in prison in part because he paid off Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, a violation of campaign finance laws, and then he lied about that under oath to Congress, you know, in lying to Congress. So Cohen made the point, and I think it's a really good point, he made the point that you have to understand how Trump talks. Trump talks like a mob boss. Trump has never sent an email, will not send an email. He only rarely uh, handles things over the telephone, if, you know, only if he absolutely has to. He would prefer to do it in person. This is how mafioso work, right? And Sondland is saying, I called Trump. In fact, he, his, you know, he called Trump from Ukraine and he said, what do you want? You know, I just talked to the president of Ukraine, and I'm trying to figure out what the heck do you want? What's it going to take for you to release this military aid and invite the president of Ukraine over for a meeting in the Oval Office so that, so that he can say to his people, yes, we have the backing of the United States, our most important ally. And Trump just flipped out.
started yelling at him. He, you know, he said Trump was very angry. I started yelling at him about, there is no quid pro quo. I don't want anything. No quid pro quo. And of course, you know, obviously Trump had been doing his mob boss thing, right? Up until that point, he'd been basically saying, you know, this is even in Shakespeare, you know, will nobody rid me of this meddlesome priest? Yeah, I mean, you know, the people around you know what you're saying. They know what's going on. So anyhow, let's pick up some of your thoughts and, and calls as well. Uh, by the way, if you haven't been listening to my commentary, I pointed out that Rudy Giuliani tweeted out that I did nothing. I didn't, everything's good. And then he deleted his own tweet. Mike Pence's office has come out with a statement now that said, quote, the vice president never had a conversation with Gordon Sondland about investigating the Biden's barisma or the conditional release of financial aid based upon potential investigations. Ambassador Gordon Sondland was never alone with Vice President Pence on the September 1 trip to Poland. This alleged discussion recalled by Sondland never happened. Multiple witnesses have testified under oath, bloody, bloody, blah. So my take on this, just to, to summarize, then I'll pick up your phone calls. My take on this is that Sondland figured out that everybody was pointing at him as the fall guy, that he was going to be the one that the people around the president, you know, that Trump, Pompeo, Giuliani, they had all decided, let's make Sondland the fall guy. He's the outsider. He's this guy from Portland, Oregon. He's just a millionaire who owns a bunch of hotels. To hell with him. We'll let him take the fall for this. And Sondland figured out that they had figured that out and said, I'm nobody's fall guy. It ain't going to happen. So this is where we're at. Chuck in Indianapolis. Hey, Chuck, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I'm calling as a reformed Republican. They've lost me. They're spending way more time tarnishing the character of their witnesses and challenging facts and evidence. Well, uh, over another thing that I mentioned in the previous hours that over on Fox News, and I'm getting this secondhand through the New York Times kind of live blog on the testimony, but apparently over on Fox News, Ken Starr, you know, the guy who prosecuted Bill Clinton, came out and said that he wonders if soon there's going to be a group of Republican senators visiting the White House, which, of course, is what Barry Goldwater and a couple of other people did when they went over and talked to Nixon and said, sorry, you're going to have to resign. It's a sad state of affairs. I'm a retired military officer, and from the president besmirching General Mattis to Nunez and Jim Jordan going after Lieutenant Colonel Vindman yesterday. Right. I, I'm, I'm disgusted by that stuff. I'm just absolutely disgusted. Yeah. Well, and, and look at what Trump did with uh, the family of Captain Khan, the officer who was killed in Iraq, and his father, you know, spoke out, and, and Trump trashed them, the Gold Star family. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Chuck, thank you very much. Thanks for the call, and thanks for sharing your perspective, particularly as a former Republican and as a former member of the Armed Services. Thank you. I appreciate that. Jacob in Oceanside, California. Hey, Jacob, what's up? I think people today realize the corruption ran deep and the exposure of the testimony is damning. I yes. mean, we have to get it now that Trump it's really linked to Putin. And, you know, we just see the surface of things, but it runs deep. 
Yeah, and I, I'm not, I don't think it's just Putin. I don't think it's that, you know, there's one particular guy pulling the strings here. I think this is Trump's self-interest, Trump wanting to make himself rich. He wants to have a hotel in Moscow, so he's dancing to Putin's tune. He's already got a hotel in Turkey, so he's dancing to Erdogan's tune. The Saudis are, t are telling him that they're going to give him hundreds of millions of dollars to build a Trump Tower in Saudi Arabia when he leaves office, so he's dancing to their tunes. Khashoggi? I don't know anything about Khashoggi. Oh, my son-in-law told the Mohammed bin Salman, okay, go, go take him. I don't know anything about that you know he's just he what donald trump is doing is what he's done his entire life he's scheming and scamming and grifting in order to try to make himself richer and right now to try to stay out of jail harry with that oil deal i think trump's getting some kind of cut there oh yeah yeah now we've got troops in, in uh, syria to protect the oil by the way as we speak israel right now is bombing the bejesus out of syria and that could go sideways really fast. We'll be back. Welcome back. Gordon Sondland testifying today. The uh, hearing's going to be coming back together in the next two or three minutes. So as soon as it does, we'll, we'll go right back to it. But in the meantime, Pete in Santa Cruz, California, your thoughts, Pete? Yeah, this whole thing is, if you wrap it up, it sets the definition of a RICO uh, operation. And, I agree. Racketeering influence and, to uh, organized crime, yep. And corrupt organization. Corrupt organization, uh, thank whole, you, yeah. All of them, uh, the whole gang should be rounded up and thrown away. Uh, all the way back to the GSA, the person who was placed at GSA to approve the hotel yeah. for him. Yeah, I, yes, ab uh, absolutely, because the, the, the lease says that if the uh, leaseholder, this is the old post office building in D.C., if the leaseholder becomes a, an elected official, that they have to release the lease, which I think is probably one of the reasons why Trump is trying to sell that hotel. Pete, excellent. Thank you. Steve in Phoenix, Arizona. Your thoughts, Steve? Do you think Gordon Songlin is uh, sorry he donated the $1 million to the uh, Trump campaign? I don't know. He's now a very famous guy, and that seems to be something that he craved was, you know, fame and recognition. Everybody knows his name now. So if he doesn't right. go to jail, I suspect he'll be uh, still think it was a good investment. It could be. All the worries of World War Three and stuff have been brought to us by this monster. Yeah. Uh, and, and by Fox News and, and the Murdoch, you know, cancer. And Red Wing uh, Hate Radio. Yep. You betcha. One of the people in the military are going to finally wake up in the veterans to that, that the Republican Party, they're, they're just horrible for them and personally bad for America. And, and lastly, is it's funny how Giuliani, we'll call him Giuliani, used to fight Rico stuff. Now he is a Rico. Thanks, yeah, Tom. There you go. Well said. Thank you, Steve. Zoe in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Zoe, what's up? I was just thinking that the, the Rubes are definitely going to pick up on that little bit that the Republican lawyer floated at one point when he was talking with the ambassador. He said that maybe, you know, the president was withholding aid to the Ukraine because the president wanted to be a careful steward to U.S. taxpayer money. Right. Yeah, that there you go. That would be a revelation. That would be a friggin' miracle. Yes. I laughed so loud I scared my dogs, my neighbor's dogs. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The, the, Donald Trump, who has spent hundreds of millions of dollars uh, golfing, you know, our taxpayer dollars golfing at properties, or his own properties around and the, the world. bankruptcy. Right, yeah. yeah. He's, just, he's, he's just trying to save us some us. money. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> trying to save us a nickel or two. Oh, it's incredible. Zoe, thank you. Thank oh. you for the call. And well said. Mia in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Mia. Hey there. Thanks, Tom, for having me on the show. Sure. What we've heard is draw-dropping. I mean... They presented the emails. They showed the WhatsApp. They told us who was looped in. And then the day before, they simply told us 
that it was recorded. Yeah. And as as a candidate for Congress here in Maryland, I have to say, release those tapes. Amen. It is going to be vital to Mia, what's your website? Uh, great great thank you mia i I agree with you release the tapes uh, because the republicans are still stonewalling the committee ben in hood river oregon ben got a quick one here sondland just sat down in his chair so it'll probably be another minute or two yeah hi tom thanks for taking my call um i only recently discovered your program uh it was your segment on the arrest of ulysses s grant that uh that uh I, I heard that was my first exposure to the program, and I yeah, thought that and, was just fantastic. And what's so ironic is he was arrested by an African-American police officer who yeah, had fought for the Union. A war veteran, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. I'm wondering when somebody is going to walk in there, put handcuffs on Trump, and walk his butt right out of there. And, you know, we have a whole prison industrial complex set up in this country. I find it strange that we can't find space for Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, the problem right there is Bill Barr, but Bill Barr uh, is marinating in his own juices pretty badly right now. So we'll see where all Mm -hmm. this goes. Thank you for the call. Corky in Rochester, New York. Sondland swept everybody up. Yeah. Yeah, he he really did. He said, how can you say that we were we were the outside track or, you know, whatever the phrase was when you had the secretary of state in on this, you had the secretary of energy in on this, Pompeo and Perry, you had the president in on this, you had the president's personal lawyer in on this. The hearings are are starting again. So, Corky, thanks a lot for the call. And we're going to go back to Adam Schiff. Recognize myself for five minutes with respect to the witness who testified on Saturday. That is Mr. Sandy. He is today reviewing his transcript an opportunity we give all the witnesses before their transcript is released to make sure that it's accurate and correct. As his deposition was only taken on Saturday, this was the soonest we could arrange that. That's the guy that Devin Nunes said, said, there's nothing to see here. I wish to use any of the questioning from Mr. Sandy's deposition. Uh, They could do so, and we would happily take whatever excerpts they needed even prior to the witness having the chance to go through it. They chose not to take advantage of that opportunity. He is not the top official at the Office of Management and Budget responsible for releasing foreign assistance. I want to ask you just a few questions, and our our staff had time to get through much of what I wanted to ask you, Ambassador. But with respect to the statement, you are going back, and I mean by you and others, Ambassador Volker and others, we're going back and forth with the Ukrainians to figure out what statement they would have to make to get the meeting, correct? Correct. And they understood they were going to have to make this statement publicly in order to get the meeting? Correct. Similarly, you testified that pretty much everyone could put two and two together and make four and understood that the military assistance was also conditioned on the public announcement of these two investigations, correct? That was my presumption, yeah. You put two and two together and you got four. Is that right? Yes. Now, you're capable of putting two and two together, and so are the Ukrainians. They could put two and two together. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Democracy really, I mean, the whole idea of democracy is the demos. It's us, right? The people. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 